Good morning, everybody. Just for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jacques, and I'm one of the pastors here at this church, and especially to you guys online, thank you so much for tuning in faithfully every week, and for all of you in the building, thank you for being here. We love you guys. So you might know that we're doing a two-part series on hospitality. It's called Be My Guest, and uh, last week, Barry kicked us off, and I'm going to be wrapping it up today. But I must, I must admit real quick that um, teaching on hospitality for me is like difficult, it's a, hard, it's a hard request for me to, or a hard thing for me to do because I'm not hospitable. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Can I tell you why I'm not hospitable? Some of you are looking with big eyes. I'm a pastor, I know, but I'm not hospitable because I'm an, I'm an introvert, right? I had a few conversations with a few people last week and they're like, Jacques, there's no way that you're an, you're an introvert. You are 100% an extrovert. I'm not an extrovert. I'm gonna get to why you think I'm an extrovert in a little bit, but I'm an introvert, right? Introverts find it difficult to connect with people just in general. To be hospitable for someone like me is very hard. You can, you can always spot introverts during the worship. Like we stand like this and we've got a bit of a sway. You get the really charismatic introverts who do, you know, like the Woolies, the Woolies um, chicken roast. Like we can at least, at least lift our arms up to this high. But being an introvert stuff, especially when it comes to hospitality. So this is a difficult message. That's all I want to say to you. So it's hard for me to preach this message because I'm not hospitable. But God has spoken to me many years ago about being hospitable regardless of who I am. Right. So just with that being said, while preparing for this message, I watched this documentary about a guy who decided he was going to travel from, from Morocco, which is right at the top of Africa, all the way down to the southernmost point of Africa, which is at Cape Ogalas. So he decided he wasn't going to fly, he was going to walk. <laughs> I don't know why he would choose to do that. So he decided to walk. Eventually he realized this isn't going to work. So he got himself a bicycle that broke and someone gave him a skateboard and he decided to skate for thousands and thousands of kilometers. It took him four years. He traveled from Morocco all the way down to Cape Ogalas and eventually did it. Glorious moment. But this documentary sort of documents his experience. So he kicks this thing off with his parents saying, no, don't do it, it's dangerous, you might die. Then as he travels, he says, mom, I'm doing this. Eventually he goes and, and he meets groups of people, certain tribes, and, and every tribe he gets to warns him about how dangerous the other tribes are. And when he gets to that group of people, all they do is open, welcome him with open arms. The hospitality that he received was mind-blowing to him. Even as I watched this program, I thought to myself, this is absolutely insane. This guy shows up at a random village and everyone in the village wants to welcome him into their homes. Like he becomes his hero. As soon as he starts sharing his story, everybody wants him to come in and then they open their homes to him. Like small little rondavos with like four or five people sleeping in the one room and they make a space for him. Then they feed him with the best food they can find. They slaughter animals just to bless and be hospitable to this guy. They treat him literally like a hero. And then when he decides he wants to go after a week or two of, of staying in the village and blessing them, he blesses them back always. Um, they, they, they're sad, they're disappointed, they want him to stay longer. There's, there's a spirit of hospitality that he finds and he experienced on this journey. And eventually he gets to closer to south of Africa, the border of Namibia, and he describes how much more difficult it was for him because the context and the culture is different, more westernized. We live inside homes with closed walls and uh, closed doors and, and walls up. So he found it very difficult to even just find a community. And we see this guy, it was interesting for me to experience this like with him, how he went from being this hero to being a lonely, very, very lonely homeless person. So much so that in order for him to find any community or someone just to connect with and house him for the time he was in that area, he would have to go online 
go online on Facebook, say, listen, I'm in this area. Is there anyone who wants to house me? This is my journey. And that's the way he had to find community. But he describes this crushing loneliness. And I think if the church really grasps hospitality, I think like biblical, God's idea with hospitality, no one would suffer with crushing loneliness in the church or even the world. So this morning, I want to speak about three things, okay? So three things. The first thing I want to speak about is hospitality and gifting. So I mentioned to you that I'm, I don't have, I'm an introvert, so I don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality. So if you're new to church, so the Holy Spirit, which is God who dwells in us, gives us gifts. He empowers us to do certain things to fulfill God's purpose here on earth. Hospitality is one of those gifts, okay? So last week I mentioned Barry preached and he was, um, he, like he's got the gift of hospitality. If you were sitting here, you would have encountered, you would have felt the gift of hospitality flowing from him, even from his sermon. Who was here last week? Just real quick, right? Can you, can you agree with me? It's, a lot of people say they came out of the service feeling refreshed. They felt welcome. They, they grasped something of hospitality because of Barry's anointing. Let's call it what it is. He's anointed to be hospitable. John is very much the same. John, who did the MC slot for us just now, our senior pastor. But he has the gift of hospitality. So if you've ever done a spiritual gifts assessment, if you haven't done one of those, Please do one if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. So I've, I did one of those a few years ago. So I know without a shadow of a doubt what my top three spiritual gifts are. So evangelism, leadership development, teaching. So I'm not, I'm not the best at either of those, but I know when I step into that zone, there's some like anointing in that space, okay? Empowered by God, that's what I mean by that. <laughs> Hospitality and um, what's the one where you count to people? No, not generosity when you're like nice and you're like careful people. I can't even find the word. But those do, say that again? Yes. I scored zero on both of those. <laughs> for caring for people and hospitality, I scored a zero. Now you're thinking you're a pastor. How do you counsel people? How do you counsel people if you don't have, if you don't care? No, I do care. I just don't have the spiritual gift. So the tool I reach for during counseling is empathy. So just so you know. So when you counsel with me, I'll counsel you, but I'll reach for empathy. Then I can understand what you're going through. And then I'm gonna give you a list of things to do. That's not a great counselor, by the way. I'm giving you a five-point sermon. I say to you, come see me again once you've done those. I'm still waiting for you to return, by the way. <laughs> so that's, not, anyway, so I'm not gifted in this area. But because of God speaking to me about hospitality, and how important hospitality is in the church, I aggressively pursue hospitality on Sunday mornings, for example. That's why many of you think if you've met me, you think, Jacques, you're definitely not an introvert. You're definitely an extrovert. And the reason for that is because I understand how powerful hospitality can be in transforming the church. Hospitality and gifting. I wanna read you a passage real quick in 1 Peter 4, verse nine to 10 says this, I feel like this verse was written for me and all the other introverts in the house this morning. Can I get an amen from the introverts? I won't, because you're introverts, I know. <laughs> um, just so you know, you didn't see me put my hand up for the, for the spoon, because I knew it was coming. Now some of you introverts have a spoon. And I'm praying for you. You're gonna be hospitable, and God's gonna bless you and use you. First Peter 4, verse nine to 10 says this, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, 
<laughs> That's for you and me, the, the introverts in the house, those who don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So it speaks definitely of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Many of you have the spiritual gift of hospitality. I'll encourage you, if you haven't been using that gift, start using it again. Start, let the Holy Spirit flow through you and bless people through that gift. But, but the fact that I don't have the gift of hospitality doesn't exclude me from being hospitable. It's like evangelism. Some people have the gift of evangelism. That doesn't exclude the rest of the body of Christ from exercise or doing evangelism, telling people about Jesus. So, so regardless of the fact that you have or don't have the gift of hospitality, God is calling us to be hospitable and for the introvert there without grumbling. Let's be hospitable. So it's not only for those who are gifted. Point number two, hospitality and the body of Christ. Hospitality and the body of Christ. So many of you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, I've preached on this story so many times, like thousands of times probably. I've heard the story being preached a gajillion times. And honestly, I've heard so many spiritual truths come out of this message. It's actually mind-blowing. It's a simple story, but God uses it to speak in such powerful ways. Anyway, if you don't know the story, very briefly, it's a, Jesus tells a story to a lawyer who says, who's my neighbor? So Jesus says, who, uh, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. The lawyer is trying to figure out and to justify, justify himself, trying to figure out who's my neighbor. He says, Jesus, so tell me who's my neighbor. Then Jesus starts telling the story. So he says, okay, fine. He says, there's this man, man comes from a certain place, and on his journey, he was attacked by two robbers. They took all of his stuff, took his clothes, beat him, and then left him. He was half dead. Then Jesus continued telling a story. So he's speaking to a Jewish crowd. So then he says, a priest showed up. And when the priest saw the man, he turned away, went to the other side of the road, and avoided him. So he's speaking to the, so remember, so the priest was a Jewish priest. Then he says, a Levite was also a Jewish man, a Levite showed up. He saw the man half dead. He did the same thing as the priest. These two priests and Levite represent the God's people. Then Jesus continues the story. And then he says, a Samaritan man came along and he saw the man and when he saw him, he had compassion. It's a heart issue. Hospitality is not about opening your home. It's about opening your heart. He saw this man lying on the floor. He had compassion on him and he poured alcohol on his wounds, put oil on it, dressed it, put him on his horse, and took him to an inn. And he said to the innkeeper, give this guy whatever he needs. If he, over, if he overspends what I've given, you gave him some money, overspends, put it on my tab, I'll come pay for it later, right? So for me, there's a whole bunch of really powerful truths that, that comes out of this. But for me, this is a message about hospitality. So when you look at the, the, the priest and the Levite, technically, according to the law, they responded correctly to the man who was bloodied in the street. The law said to them, if you came in contact with someone's blood, you are unclean. And when you're unclean, you have to go through all the rituals of purification again to become clean. So technically they were saying, I don't want to be unclean, therefore I won't reach out to this man. But here's what Jesus is saying when he's speaking to this lawyer. He's saying, you Jewish people and the Samaritans, you guys are enemies. You hate each other with a passion. And he says, as he's speaking to the Jewish congregation, he's saying, guys, what the Jewish people did to this man in this story was not God's will. Even though technically, according to the letter of the law, they weren't unclean because of that. Very good. But what God wants you to do, this is your neighbor. And he goes to someone that they hated, someone that they despised. And he said, see what the Samaritan man is doing. He acts according to the will of God. And he challenges them. And what this man was showing was hospitality on another level. 
When the body of Christ shows hospitality, it restores and brings restoration to people. That's what that story is about. That man bending down, tending to his wounds, dressing it, brings complete restoration. I remember when I was in high school, I shared the story about how I became a Christian so many times, but I don't often share how I became part of the, or how I plugged into the body of Christ. So when I became a Christian, I was in high school, I was led to Jesus by my English teacher, actually, and the Mayer family brought me into their home. Like, I was spiritually broken. I mean, the way I thought as an unchurched person, the, my, the way my thinking operated was just not good. <laughs> so they brought me into their family. They let me eat with them. I went to life group with them. And, and this, what I found amazing was I, I didn't understand how this stuff works. So I would just show up at their house at any time. Like I would after some evenings I'd rock up there at eight o'clock, knock on the door. They would open the door for me and be happy to see me. Guys, if you knock at my door at eight o'clock, the lights will go off. I'll become silent. <laughs> you will phone me. I won't answer the phone. If you send me a voice note, <laughs> I won't listen because I don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality. And by connecting with this family, God started restoring me. He showed me what spiritual family looks like. I started thinking differently about church, about life, about doing dinner together. Everything shifted because of this spiritual family that I discovered. Some restoration happened when the body of Christ showed hospitality to me as an individual. And God wants to keep doing the same, so we can deal with this crushing nature of loneliness. Hospitality and evangelism. I must be honest. I mentioned to you that my top three spiritual gifts are evangelism, teaching, and leadership development. The, honestly, when I do hospitality, my goal is evangelism. My goal is evangelism. I realized where I was before I met Jesus. I was a wreck. My life was heading down a downward spiral and I was gonna wreck it eventually. And because of what Jesus did for me through people's hospitality, I realized how important hospitality is. Because even though I'm an introvert, I realized the power of hospitality. Because of that, I choose to be hospitable. So when you see me on a Sunday morning, I'm pumped to see you, not because I'm excited to be around people, because I want to see Jesus revealed to you, especially new people. On a Sunday morning, I just realized just before the service again, I felt like a socialite. I'm not a socialite, Andre. I'm not. I went through from, from like table, chair to chair, like just greeting people and I loved it. But if you're an introvert, when you're approached or when you approach a group of people or when a, people, a group of people approaches you, you get a feeling in your stomach, you know what I mean? You know that feeling, you're like, oh. And it's not a bad feeling. It's just because you're an introvert, you know you're gonna have to now engage in conversation. For the extrovert, they're like, sign me up. The introvert's like, please don't sign me up. <laughs> it's so much effort for the introvert to make conversation. <laughs> like then you must ask about how the family is doing. You don't even know the family's name. They ask, how are you doing? How? Like, they don't even know your family's name. And then we get through the, how do you actually get to good conversation for me, Andre? It's like difficult. But there's something happening inside of me. But as a result of the message of the gospel, I made it a personal choice to make Sunday mornings my mission field. So not only Sunday mornings, I'm, gonna sh not, I'm talking about Sunday specifically. Sunday morning is a mission field for me. When I see new people, my mission, and my heart is to connect with them. Maybe just through me smiling at them, they might find Jesus eventually. What am I asking you to do? Maybe do the same. 
Maybe see Sunday mornings. Not only Sunday mornings, and going to get to that a little bit later. See Sunday mornings as your mission field. I am, at the end of last year, we did a series on the, on the book of Acts called, Acts called chapter 29. And um, if you know the book of Acts, you'll know that it only has 28 chapters. And we're currently living the 29th chapter. That was the message of that. And I preached this, uh, Acts chapter 8. And I was so bummed when I was, just, when I was preparing for this. I realized that there was such a powerful truth that was in Acts chapter 8 that I'd missed the last time I preached it. So, so if, lucky for you, you're going to hear that powerful truth this morning. So this is this random story. I feel like it's quite random. About Philip, a guy named Philip, one of the disciples, and a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. I feel like Luke, who wrote this book, just had this story in the back of his pocket, and he wanted to use it as an illustration somewhere. And it feels like he threw it in there. But it's so powerful, some of the stuff that comes out there. So just very briefly. So Philip is a disciple of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him and he says, I need you to go to a certain place. You're gonna find a eunuch there. And Philip obeys. So here's this Ethiopian eunuch who had traveled from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way back, this is where Philip now encounters him. So this guy traveled for 3,800 kilometers. Three, so 3,800 kilometers. Joburg is only 600 kilometers from here, right? Just to give you some perspective. 3,800, this guy was riding on a horse. Technically, he was on a chariot. Let me just say that. Unless you get me on a technicality. For 3,800 kilometers, this guy's sitting on a horse, bouncing in the back, not on smooth tar roads. Did I mention he's a eunuch? Think after 3,800 kilometers, that's gonna be the result for anyone, right? <laughs> Very unpleasant trip. <laughs> but this guy, so you, you need to ask some questions. So why did Philip just randomly run after this guy? And when he met him, he says to me, realize he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah, which is another powerful question. Like, why was he reading from the scroll of Isaiah? So Philip then says to him, do you understand what you're reading? And then the eunuch says, no. How can I understand unless someone teaches me? So he was reading in Isaiah chapter 53, which speaks about the crucifixion and, and the sacrifice that was made, the lamb that was slaughtered. And then Philip was able to explain to him that lamb was actually Jesus. But yet, why did he read from the scroll of Isaiah? Another question you should ask. Once, once Philip told him the gospel, shared this message with him, he asked this question. He says, what then can prevent me from being baptized? He's asking Philip this question. Or what, what can stop me from being baptized was the question he asked Philip. What disqualifies me was the message, was the question he was asking Philip. So Philip, who knew the scripture, should have had some verses ready to go. And he had some verses ready to go. And if I was Philip, and, and if, well, depending on who, which kind of, what kind of a Christian you are, Philip understood Jesus. He was not super legalistic, because if he was super legalistic, he would have gone straight to Deuteronomy 23, verse one. I'm gonna read this to you. It's not gonna be on the screen. So now the eunuch is asking, Philip, what disqualifies me from having a relationship with God was essentially what he was asking. What disqualifies me? Philip could have just pulled up this verse, Deuteronomy 23 verse one, says this. No one who has been um, emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. So eunuchs disqualified. So now the eunuch is asking, what disqualifies me? Philip could have said, well, what disqualifies you, sir, is uh, Deuteronomy 23 verse one. In fact, you cannot have a relationship with God because the law says eunuchs are disqualified. Then it doesn't stop there. So eunuchs are disqualified. Verse two, no one born of a forbidden marriage 
nor any of their descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. So he goes through a list of people who can't enter into the assembly of the Lord, people who were disqualified, people who were part of a um, forbidden marriage, for example. So the challenge with this is, there were some questions around the birth of Jesus, just by the way, if you know the story. Jesus would have been disqualified. If you go through Jesus' genealogy, he was 128th Moabite. This verse says, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter, or any of their descendants may enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus is disqualified. Now Philip says, what disqualifies me? No, no, the eunuch says to Philip, what disqualifies me from being baptized? We know Philip did not go to this verse. He did not bash him with this verse. No, no, no. He shared the gospel of Jesus with him. And then he baptized him. This, this man was baptized. Why was he baptized? He was baptized because God, throughout Scripture, reveals more of his character to people. Moses, when he wrote this, he was perfectly good in writing, writing what he had said. But now look at what, remember the question about the scroll of Isaiah. Scroll of Isaiah. Why was he reading out of the scroll of Isaiah? He had a question in chapter 53 about who is this lamb? Listen to what Isaiah 56 says, verse four. For this is what the Lord says. God is speaking now. This is a, so, so this is when you pause and listen. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, listen to this, a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. So here's this man who was disqualified, according to, according to that verse. Here God says in Isaiah, gives a further revelation, greater revelation of how loving he is. He says, the eunuchs now, you guys, if you want to, I'll open up my door for you. In fact, my house is open. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you. I'm going, one, I'm going there to prepare a room for you, prepare a house for you, depending on which translation you read. God is all about hospitality. God is hospitable to the eunuch, the foreigner, those people who we disqualify. God is open to them and wants them to come. And then Jesus comes and he, re, and he, and he brings the ultimate revelation of who God is. Jesus says, no one is disqualified. God's desire is that none should perish. All who are thirsty must come and drink. And I'll give you everlasting life. And that was the message that Philip taught the eunuch. The eunuch caught the message and he understood that God is all about hospitality and allowing him in. I'm gonna say it again. Hospitality is not about opening your home. Hospitality is about opening your heart. I'm gonna wrap up this message by asking this question, or by stating this real quick. When you read scripture, it's important to ask what the scripture is saying right, in its context. What is the scripture saying? Who is God speaking to? Who is it written? What is it saying? The second thing you need to ask is, what is the scripture saying to me? When you come to church on Sunday mornings and you watch online or whenever you listen or read or engage in sermons, you should always ask this question, what is God trying to say to me through this message? And I have no doubt that God has been speaking. No doubt that the Holy Spirit has been stirring up something in your hearts. God is calling you to do something maybe that you've never done before. So what am I asking you practically? Maybe it could be as simple as rocking up on a Sunday morning and making this a mission field for you. Go find someone you haven't seen before. 
and connect with him. Smile at him, even though it might be very difficult for you and maybe even as unpleasant as it is for me sometimes when I approach a big group. Very difficult for an introvert. Very difficult, I know. But yet, because of the gospel, I choose to do so. Maybe that's what you need to shift. Maybe you just need to open your home to someone. It could be as simple as inviting them for dinner. You've got a spoon now. Some of you guys have a spoon. I'm gonna ask all of you to have an imaginary spoon and then pass that spoon on. Maybe open your house for someone. Invite them over for dinner or coffee. Maybe that's too much. Maybe just go for coffee with them. But shift something. Maybe it means that you just show hospitality or love to the foreigner. The word hospitality in Greek literally means to love the foreigner. The Good Samaritan story. Love the foreigner. Where are these people that you need to start loving and showing Jesus to? I'm gonna wrap this up by praying for us this morning. So everybody close their eyes real quick. So I wanna pray for us as a church, but specifically for those people who, who sense God or the Holy Spirit stirring something in your heart this morning. I'm not gonna ask you to say anything. I just wanna know if there's anyone in the house who wants me to pray for them specifically because God's been speaking to you. Thank you, lots of hands going up already. Thank you, more hands. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, all right, thank you. <laughs> I love that. Father, you saw every hand that just went up. We know that you've been speaking. You've been speaking about how powerful hospitality is and how you can use hospitality to bring restoration and even salvation and how you are the ultimate hospitable God and you allow the eunuch in. Then Jesus, you came and preached a message, the gospel, the good news, which means the news that's too good to be true, that the salvation is now available for everyone. Everyone who comes to you can receive salvation. No one any longer is excluded. Father, as a church, we want to be hospitable. We wanna love the sojourner. Father, you saw the hands that went up. You've spoken to them, and I pray that you would empower them and equip them. And I wanna pray for a special anointing. Give them the gift that they require to do exactly what you called them to do, to change this world and impact it forever. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen and amen.